Welcome to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. In this episode, TJ and Sam discuss winning offensive habits as they each draft their top five, including valuing the ball, playing with pace, decision-making, spacing the floor, and more. Wherever you're at in your season, see how your team's habits stack up with Sam and TJ's picks. Let's get started. All right, welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. Sam and I are going to have a fun little uh, banter today talking about habits, about winning habits, specifically on uh, the offensive end. Coach Carver um, was at one of the clinics that I was speaking at up in Ohio, and I talked about winning habits, and he had a question, and it was a great question. He's like, you know, I think you've talked to a lot of coaches. You would have um, a pretty wide variety on what they value as to winning habits, So Sam and I are going to actually do a couple parts on this. Specifically today, we're only going to speak to winning offensive habits. So Sam, we're going to play the game like this, all right? Um, You got to phrase it almost like Jeopardy. I would first choose, so with the first pick, you can have the first pick. I'll take and we'll just go back and forth. First pick, I I would pick the habit of what? And we're going to leave out one, which is shooting. All right. We're just going to leave out shooting. So this is a habit that you want your team to regularly work on. But we'd all love the habit of having great shooters. So we'll just kind of leave that one out. So prioritizing with draft pick number one, I would love our team to have the habit of and this would be something as a coach that you are emphasizing daily and you find it really important we'll we'll each draft a few of these so sam i'll I'll, uh kick it off to you for the first draft pick in offensive winning habits what are you taking it's pretty general but mine would be valuing the ball the habit of valuing the ball um and so that that can spider web out into a lot of different talking points so let me try to be succinct here is you know, it's it's not playing scared or afraid to turn the ball over. There's a fine line between uh, valuing the ball and also playing aggressive uh, with a, an aggressive mindset with with not playing scared to turn it over. And you know that I, I don't think I um, I'm a master teacher at that. Um, it's one that I want to develop as a coach and and continue to grow in. But yeah, TJ, starting there is just like you can't score if you turn the ball over. And so it's critical. And this is really, really fresh for me coming out of uh, this past weekend of coaching a couple of games where I didn't think we valued the ball. And that's going to be a major point of emphasis in our upcoming practices of value the ball, make good passes, handle the rock. Don't try to over over dribble. Um all right, I can stop there, but that that's my opening um, habit. Yep, I, I agree. It's a good habit to have. I'm going to go with one that I always talk about that you know that I love a lot, but I would say the habit of choosing great shots. And, um, you know, I think Hold shots – I, like, I thought we couldn't do shooting. Uh, no, it has nothing to do with actually the shot going in. I'm just saying choosing the right shot. Oh, so the, okay. Okay. the habit I would I would work on is that – we, we get really good at choosing the right shot at, as a team that we know that this is, you know, the shot that Sam makes at a high rate, the shot that TJ makes at a high rate, the shot that Lisa makes at a high rate. We just we, we have the habit of really um, caring about taking winning shots. And so shot selection would be um, my, my top one. 
That's a good one. Uh, I, I was, yeah. I'm a, I'm a little, um, lost of words. Cause that, that would be one of my top ones as well. But I thought we were taking out shooting, but I get what you're saying. So shot selection for me, the next one. And again, this one, I'll just say, it and then I'll explain it is decision-making. And so that actually ties together your first one and my first one. So, I the habit of making good decisions and that goes with the ball and without the ball. So when should I shoot it? When should I pass it? When should I dribble it? When should I cut? When should I stand still? When should I space away from penetration? So just that's a basketball IQ. And that to me is one of the great um, intangibles. It's one of the great equalizers in the sport of basketball that when athleticism is really helpful and important and we need athletic players, but I would argue that higher IQ allows us to be more athletic. And I'll use the LeBron James, one of the most athletic players to ever play basketball. He's also one of the highest IQ. Steph Curry is not one of the most athletic players, uh, yet I would argue he's such a high IQ, which allows him to, operate and be excellent on a court full of great athletes. So decision-making would be the next habit for me. I like it. I like it. And as this draft goes on, I think we're going to probably have to get more. Um, we've gone pretty broad. I think the first yeah. few probably for each of us will be pretty broad. And then we'll have to kind of get a little bit more specific as we run out of broad ones. But I'm going to stay broad here. But I'm going to say the habit of great spacing. Um, you know, I, I, just, I just think that um, on the offensive end, teams that play with great spacing. And let me just put a caveat to that. We've talked about this before, so I won't go in depth, but great spacing doesn't mean just as far apart from each other as we can. You know, when I think about great spacing, I think about players, you know, living in spots where they're dangerous, where they can actually put pressure on the defense, put pressure on the rim. And so it doesn't mean just five guys as far out as they possibly can be. That means, you know, if a player can't shoot it, um, they're still highly effective by offensive rebounding, by making timely cuts, by screening and slipping, by what and, and that that's what I to me, great spacing is um, the five players that you have on the court spend a high amount of time in areas where they can be dangerous while not taking away other players' opportunities. And so, yeah, I think spacing, and I think, you know, at the NBA they're so skilled that oftentimes we think that spacing is like four guys as wide as you possibly can with post player. And it usually is because they're really good shooters and they're really skilled players so they can afford to stretch the floor, you know, to that space. And so, um, but I think all offenses, no matter what level, um, play with some level of good spacing. So I'm going to say the habit of good spacing. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that's a really good team team habit to to apply. And I think you could break some of these up into team and individual habits. I'd say my first two, the first one, valuing the ball, is a team habit, both but but also an individual as well as decision making. All right, here's the third one. Um, in the in light of going more specific, here's a very specific one, and that is using the glass. Mm. Yeah, using the glass around the rim and finishing using the glass. Um, I think at any level, um, the ability to know how to how to bank shots off the glass at different angles, 
I think is critical to the success of a team because if we, if I go back to your first one, TJ, of shot selection or getting great shots, I think we would argue the three best shots in basketball are in IRAs inside the restricted area, open threes for good shooters, and the third being free throws. And so if that's one of the top three shots, the ability to finish around the rim, specifically using the glass um, and how to use it, I think is critical. Yeah, I mean, if I would think by most accounts that uh, would have been a surprise pick uh, a little earlier coming off the board than a lot of people would have thought. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it could be that that little habit that helps your team to win. Um, hey, here's my third right here, Sam. I would say um, the habit of playing with good pace. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest teams to guard for us are teams that play with good pace. And, and they typically know their actions really well. They, they typically know how to um, get the ball to certain places quickly. And as on the defensive end, when we're trying to scout them, how, we, how do we disrupt their pace? But a team that can keep good pace, keep you on your heels, um, I think that's it's a winning habit of a good offensive team. And there's some level, like when I think about the Nuggets, you know, last year, it's, it's a great it's, – it's not like Joe plays at this crazy pace – but they play at a really solid pace, a pace where it's like the ball's going to go where it needs to get. You're going to make this decision. Murray's coming off the screen. If it's not there, I'm going right onto the next one. Where vice versa, if you see a team that doesn't play with great pace, it's like, okay, we're going to set the ball screen. It didn't work. Everything's dead. Let's reset. Okay, now let's run the back screen. Okay, everything's dead. Let's reset. And there's just not enough pace to keep enough pressure on the defense. And so um, I, I really, you know, admire teams that play with great pace on the offensive end. I think it's a great habit to have. TJ, when I was in Australia a few years back running some PGC clinics, I did a few player clinics and coaching clinics, and I got to spend a half a day with Australia basketball and some of their youth development. One thing they talked about, they play the 24-second shot clock that I wish here in America we actually used um, for developmental reasons. They talked about three Ps. The first one was, was pace. So the first eight seconds of the shot clock, they wanted to play with pace. The second eight was patience. And the last eight seconds, they wanted to put pressure on the defense. So just kind of a nugget there along with your comment on pace. All right, here's my number four habit, winning habit on offense is passing. Um, I think we talked about this maybe even on a recent podcast. Uh, I did a whole course on it because I believe in it so strongly. Passing, what entails that? Like, hey, when do I make an air pass? When do I make a bounce pass? And some people may be saying, well, that's really elementary and fundamental. Turn on any high-level college or pro game and watch some of the best in the world and the best in the country uh, make the wrong passes. And so I think it's an underrated skill. It's an undertaught skill. It's an undertrained skill. But how to make the right passes, when to make them, the three T's, how to be on target, on time, with the right touch. Passing is critical to any good offense unless you run the James Harden high ball screen and just let one guy, you know, facilitate it. So passing would be my fourth. I like it. Tough shot at Harden there, though. Um the uh, I think passing definitely is hey, great, great player. I'm just being being real, being honest with you. Yeah. Um, 
I like it. I think passing definitely is a team habit that leads to winning. And, um, you know, it's funny thing when you look at all of these, like you could easily say some of these should have to go kind of layer on top of each other, you know, I mean, and all of them really could really take away from a team. Like if you have great spacing, but you don't play with good passing, I mean, that's a problem, right? Right. And if you are really good passing, but you have, bad spacing. So all these things play off each other. So passing. So let's just recap really quick, quickly. Um, Yours would be, you know, winning habit, value of the ball, decision-making, using the glass, passing. Mine would be a winning habit of choosing the right shot, winning habit of having good space, uh, the winning habit of playing with good pace. And my fourth one would be this, um, the habit of, um, the a winning habit for a team would it be they're they're great at fakes, and um, this could be shot fakes. This can be pass fakes. Um, I think a team that's really crafty that uses their fakes well. I think about a team like you know Villanova. They always catch to shoot, and therefore their eyes are always at the rim. Like people's closeouts are harder. They get them off balance. They get better drives. And I think the ability to just you know use small subtle fakes to get your eyes to the rim where you're moving defenders creates better driving lanes. It creates more opportunities at the foul line. You know, if I had a team that had the habit of, of being really good at faking both passes and shots, I, I feel like they would be pretty good at creating good looks for our team. And I, you know, and I look, I hate it when t- teams are really good at fakes. They're hard to guard. You feel like they're going to shoot it all the time. I think one particular player that I had <clears throat> that was probably one of the slower players I've ever had, but had a ridiculous shot fake. And, you know, when they gave the shot fake, they were good for like one or two dribbles max. And they usually, I think this actual particular player only shot one, two the entire season, <laughs> but had a whole bunch of assists because the shot fake was so good that they got into the paint and then kicked it to the next person, or at least created the the flow and the feel of the dominoes falling where we were in attack mode. So I think fakes just lead to good offense in general. That's good. Yeah. Probably an undertaught one as well. Um, here's my number five. It is offensive rebounding, the habit of crashing the glass. We may, again, we've shared this one before, but Pat Summit said um, offense sells tickets, defense wins games, rebounding wins championships. And I do believe rebounding is critical. And you've seen trend, you know, just like any trend in basketball. Um, trends come and go. And I think you saw at a higher levels, teams get away from crashing the glass. I think you're seeing some of that come back. Um, so offensive rebounding gives you extra possessions. Typically offensive rebounding gives you more easy buckets inside the restricted area back to uh, something I talked about earlier, number three habit. So when you're getting that rebound close to the rim, you can get easy putbacks. And so the habit of crashing the glass, knowing what your offensive board coverage is, are you sending three, are you sending four, are you sending three and a half with that half being, you know, for a long rebound at the free throw or top of the key area or for tap out. So I think that's critical to championship teams is rebounding and knowing your offensive rebounding coverage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think offensive rebounding is really important, too. I think the second part of that, you said the coverage, just knowing, like, how many are we sending, you know, because it's where our defensive transition starts. And so I think it's really, really important. Hey, my final one would be this. So my fifth and final would be um, the habit of being great cutters. And um, 
I think just in general, whether that's the execution of your plays or whether that's cutting off penetration, uh, that's cutting to get to the offensive glass. Like, I, I think that, in my opinion, I, 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 I'm seeing too much in this in basketball, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, but I'm seeing too much of this where it's like four out or five out, and we're shooting a lot of threes. And and uh, when, I, when I see that, it's kind of like it, everything rides on whether we make or miss those shots. And I just think the best offensive teams that I've ever had – or ever played against, they have a multitude, multiple ways to score the basketball. Yeah, they can shoot the three. Um, but I think a lot of times when a team just becomes really stagnant, they just don't know how to move without the ball, whether it's to cre- whether it's to cut to create a gap for a teammate, whether it's to cut to set up a screen, whether it's to cut to get a basket, whether it's cut. Like those people to me are really hard. We got one on our team right now who an average shooter you know, but averaging 15, 16 a game off just being a phenomenal cutter. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on the other team. And, you know, I think every team could benefit from having a team full of great cutters. I think it's a great habit to have, but at least having a couple on your team that have the habit of being a, um, being great at cuts. We, we've actually been working a lot on that specific thing, TJ, over the last few weeks in our practices, because we do a lot of drills where well, I shouldn't say a lot. We do some drills where we work on driving kicks and making the one more pass. But now we're working on with the players we know, we've got a sample size of where they're at as a shooter. But if they're not a shooter, we want them cutting hard to the rim and putting pressure on the rim rather than catching at the three. Sometimes we do have them catch at the three and maybe a quick pass into a ball screen and hard roll at the rim. That's something we've been really working with um, our younger players on. So I agree. Uh, and that, that I, I had a bonus one. I, well, hold on, hold on. I'm going to go. So let's, let's look, recap these five. Yeah. And, and then let's talk about some ones that were left off. Cause I got a couple I'm thinking about too, that were left off. And, you know, yeah. if we redrafted, would we choose them? But Sam's five were value the ball, the habit of valuing the ball, the habit of good decision-making, the habit of using the glass, the habit of, passing well and the habit of good good offensive rebound coverage. My five would be the habit of choosing good shots, the habit of good spacing, the habit of good pace, the habit of good fakes, and the habit of being great cutters. And so those are some habits we would love to instill on our team um, offensively. So there's – we can come back to Let me say – sorry to interrupt. Let me say something. I mean, so we're recording this in the middle of a basketball season. Some people will listen to this outside of a season, offseason – and, you know, you may be thinking, well, well, could I could I take a few of these habits and making them emphasis right now in my seat? I think the answer is yes. I don't think you can go be great at all. Ten of these, you know, I, we were, you know, doing our in-season support call last night, TJ, with our PGC coaching community and talking about some of these very things of like, you know, how how do we work through some stuff? And so I do think this is these are things that you can would you agree you could take a couple of these and make them an emphasis you might not be able to do all 10 of them yeah yeah a couple thoughts on that saying one i think what you say no to is also equally important so like if you chose these 10 and you're like okay i'm going to pick three of these to try and emphasize to be great i think i think any of the 10 would help your team yeah right um the danger could be trying to choose all 10 now here's another idea for coaches too is just go grade yourself and your team on these 10 
to get an idea of where you're at. Like, how does your team do valuing the ball? How does your team do with decision making? How does your team do with spacing or pace or shot selection? Like all of these are pretty good gauges to maybe understand why things are working for you or not working for you. And then also getting down to the decision making of like, all right, what would be that priority? And I think most teams and you tell me if you agree or disagree, but I think most teams that have some really great habits don't choose 10 things. They just choose three or four things and they try and be really, really good at those particular habits. I agree. Yeah. A hundred percent. You, you see it play out. I think with good teams, you mentioned earlier and I speak about it often, the Villanova Jay Wright teams, you always saw some core foundational habit. It was very clear. These things were worked on consistently in their practice. If you watch other teams, you're going to see habits and, and themes play out with any team. You're in college coaching, so I'm sure you turn on the film, right? And you see a few things jump out at you with teams you're about to go play. Some yeah. of them are really good. Some are just okay. But, yeah, I, I think all teams develop habits, and it really comes from what you emphasize in practice. Yeah, I, I mean, I can watch um, – and I was doing that this morning, breaking down a team that we're going to play. And – you can immediately go and tell, watch some video and see some things they do really good. Like, um, like, you know, Northwest Missouri, who's won several championships when we played them, I thought, my gosh, like they know exactly what shot they want every time their shot selection is ridiculous. Like, I mean, almost too perfect in the way that they would choose their shots. There's other teams that I watch and I think, oh crap, we're not going to be able to replicate this pace in practice. I mean, I can show them what they do, but we're not going to be able to replicate their pace. You know, and really go down any of those. I think another good way, Sam, to to think about these are, um, you know, you pick two or three or four t- habits you want to emphasize in your team, but it doesn't mean you can't work on others. So when I look at this, you know, like that the habit of, of great fakes, I think that's something we can work on in the offseason with our team developing individual players and going through. But it might not be one of my top three habits that I'm working on my team with in general. So you can also break those up in what, as well. All right, let's go in a couple that didn't make the cut. What are some things that you were thinking about, um, like good winning habits of good offensive teams, but they just didn't quite make the cut? Yeah, the one that I left off because I don't know if you could drop it under the category of habit would be uh, role identification. Mm-hmm. That's more of like a, um, yeah, I don't know that's a habit, right? But I think it's critical to offensive success getting, and it, and, and it bleeds into some of the things we already mentioned, um, but like, your ability to know or a team and an individual's ability to know what their role is. There's nothing, nothing more. Well, there's very few things that are more debilitating to a team's culture on a team's offense than a player taking a shot they shouldn't take or trying to do something they shouldn't do. Everybody gets frustrated because everybody knows that player is not capable of it. Um, And then if the coach doesn't correct it or the coach allows that to happen, players get frustrated and now you destroy any team culture that you have just like a bad shot I think is toxic to a good team culture yeah I I actually really like that one a lot if we redrafted probably put that in there I would probably say the habit of playing to your strengths Mm -hmm. which is role identification right like if players on your team have the habit of playing to their strengths at 80 90 percent clip then I think um 
I think that's really tough. You know, right now, here's an example. And I, I say this, you know, as a compliment a coach gave us the other day, we were about to go into the game. He said, listen, I don't know anybody that gets their players to fill their roles better than you do. And it was a great compliment because oftentimes I have my own troubles putting my thumb on like, well, why are we doing, we're shooting like 52% from the field offensively. Like we're top 10 in the country. But I don't know exactly why that would be. You know, I have a hard time saying what that is. But when that coach said it, it did make me think that we do have some players that are that are playing to their strengths and doing what they do for a high majority of the possession, which does, I think, lead to to really good shots and all the other things that we talked about. All right. Another one, uh, you know, I think left off that could have made the role, but I think it's kind of more specific to the offense, the habit of being great screeners or great at using screens, but it kind of it just depends on what kind of offense you run. But at some point, I think you're going to need to run some great screens, and you love it when somebody sets a great ball screen. They know how to roll off of it. They know how to slip or, or whatever it might be. Those are also hard to guard when teams are great at screening. Yeah, I, I agree. Screening, especially off the ball, that's something I spent a lot of uh, last year or so diving into more. Because the game has become so heavy ball screen, TJ, I don't think teams work much um, defending screens off the ball. So while everybody else is zigging, it's a great time to zag. I don't. Are you guys using a lot of off-ball screens like screen away action or flare screens or back screen stuff? Yeah, a decent amount. I mean, we probably a little bit more out of our sets as we kind of do a lot more cutting of the read and react. But, you know, that's where occasionally – sprinkling in the ball screens. Well, we run pretty decent amount of ball screens, but those off ball screens too, you know, a lot of times we don't run many flares, but we have a couple sets where we have flares and they get great looks for us. Do y'all, so in in your league though, like if you just did a quick, like if you just thought through it really quickly, what would you say, like how many teams do you really have to work, go into a game and you're like, Oh, we got to really guard this, this screen away really well, or these back screens. Is there any teams that, like, is there anybody that does that on a consistent basis? Off ball screens? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's some teams that I would generalize as like a drive team. There's some that I would generalize as a ball screen team. And there's some that I would generalize as an off ball screen team. Um, I think they're less than the first two where it's primary drive or primary ball screen or primary. But there are a couple that do that. And they're definitely a, a, a wrinkle because – I think nowadays so many people default to guarding the dribble in space or ball screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but I like that. that that's screening's a good one. The other thing worth mentioning or for coaches that are listening is I think everything we mentioned is applicable to man defenses and zone defenses. But I think the other thing worth thinking about is are there any habits versus zone defense that maybe you and I haven't discussed that would be good habits versus zone. I think fakes, what you mentioned is really good versus zone. I think passing, what I mentioned, I think decision-making and obviously shot selection. But um, is there anything you think that would be more applicable to a zone, going against a zone defense that would be a habit? Gosh, actually, that's a great question because it might even change my draft if I was thinking about it. Um, you think about it more in zone, but I think it's equally important as in man. But the habit of, you know, I hear this said so many different ways, but in zone, typically say the habit of puncturing the middle. 
right? Like the playing inside out is so crucial. But I mean, it's so crucial against man too. You know, some people talk about, you know, paint touches or heart touches or, you know, inside out basketball. But if I'm thinking about an offensive habit, whether it's man or zone, I want the habit of playing inside out basketball. I mean, that's, I mean, if I could redraft, I'd put that one up there really high because teams that play, and I think it's what I was talking about a minute ago of making great cutters versus just shooting a bunch of threes. Teams that play inside out basketball are really tough to guard. And that's because whether they're playing around a post player or they screen really well to get the ball in the paint or whether they drive the ball there or whatever it is, you know, when that ball gets below you, it's the hardest thing to guard. And um, the habit of playing inside out would be one right up there. And especially when we talk about zone. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Collapsing the defense, getting the ball into the nail, um, playing in the in the short corners or the the flanks, we call it. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Well, hey, coaches, so we gave you, um, you know, really Sam and I five each of things that we would value of winning habits on the offensive end. We're going to talk about this in another episode on the defense and culture as well. Um, gave you a couple bonuses there. Great question, Sam, on the zone, because that kind of brought up another one. I'm sure there's ones that we forgot. We'd love to hear from you, coaches, at, you know, Hardwood underscore hustle, and, and let us know what do you think are some winning offensive habits. If you could only pick two or three, what would be your two or three? I know every coach might go in a different direction, but if you had to go and you had to pick two or three that were going to be the winning habits for your team, what would they be? And it might be a good question to ask yourself because maybe you're too broad. Maybe you don't. your team wouldn't even know what those habits are. But I think it would be powerful for your team to know what those habits are that you value the most, that they value them like you value them. Appreciate you listening. He is Sam. I am TJ. We are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. We also want to make sure you know about our coaching resources and freebies available to you at pgchustle.com. We have a workshop, a Reading React masterclass, and effective practice planning tips to help you enhance your coaching. Get started at pgchustle.com. From the Hardwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.